Hey everyone, my name is Yessa and you're listening to Face to Face. Today's guest danced in various leading contemporary dance companies around the world and has been a freelance teacher or physical coach, as he himself likes to refer to it, for the last decade. His name is Christoph Dozi, and I'm not gonna lie, he is definitely one of my favorite ballet teachers out there. I invited Christoph to the podcast because I often end up having incredibly deep conversations with him about topics that we don't always take the time to reflect on. So without further doubt, I welcomed him into my home, which by now is somewhat turned into a studio, and recorded this interview respecting the current COVID-19 measures in the Netherlands. Thank you for listening to Face to Face, and I really hope you enjoy this interview. Hi, man. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> Thank I'm you so good. much for uh, meeting me here. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, you're welcome. Also, uh, we've been uh, talking about it for, for a bit. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad that, you know, we found the time to meet up and do this because I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, how is how is your state of mind right now? Like, are you on holiday? Are you working again? How are the last couple of weeks? What, what place are you in r- right now at this moment? Yeah, um, I just started back after the summer break, so mm-hmm. I had a short break, and uh, I would say I'm I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm in a good mindset. It's um, I think th- this time being back after the the summer break feels mm-hmm. different than the usual breaks we had because we're also a little bit a bit more back to normal. And I think it's good in Holland to Mm -hmm. remind ourselves that it's not back to normal. There's still a threat that there's still social distancing, distancing is is still a thing. Mm -hmm. But of course, um, the, the short break I had came uh, after a a long, um, kind of uh, loose confinement as it was (laughs) in Holland. Yeah. And so now it's back in the studio, seeing people, um, for example, now I was teaching at Scapino for two weeks mm-hmm. and um, during the confinement uh, on the weekend, I was giving open classes on Zoom for whoever mm-hmm. wanted, to, wanted to come and, um, and some of them came. And so the last, the last time I taught them, it wasn't the last time I taught them last season. Yeah. It was actually seeing them through Zoom. So it's also like yeah, virtually. Uh, not just generally speaking, being back in the studio, but even a group of, of uh, dancers that I know and that I teach regularly. The last time I saw them was on this little little screen, little window uh, on Zoom. And so it's nice to to see them in, in live. And I feel like everybody has this positive spirit. I feel like I, I like to do the season start uh, yeah. as, as, as a teacher because... Um, yeah, I, I'm. I find it interesting mm-hmm. to like to feel like people like full of energy from being rested, yeah. and also having that that kind of uh, task and challenge as a teacher mm-hmm. to get them towards being in shape, but knowing that where where they start from. Yeah. And I have to say, everybody feels a little more actually in a better shape <laughs> than usual after the break, and it feels like during the confinement with this thing as like ah. What do we do mm-hmm. with our time? And people yeah, yeah. were at, at home and started to train at home. Yeah. And I think doing this for a few months, they developed the, the capacity and the uh, habit of squeezing in an hour of keep yourself, like the, the basics. Uh, and so I feel like, I'm not making an assumption because I didn't have a conversation with all of them, but I feel like 
the four or five weeks break we sometimes have between two seasons in companies mm-hmm. such as Capino and DTU, you name them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so demanding the whole season that it is really vital during those four or five weeks to do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so the five weeks is just recovering from your tiredness. Yeah. And so then you come back on after after the, the summer break and you really have to restart. Mm-hmm. But I feel like during the confinement, um, there was a bit bit more of a rest. So getting to the summer holiday, there was not such high level of tiredness. Yeah. But in the same time, grew the, the habit of like inserting maybe every second day a little bit of a routine to stay in shape. Yeah. So I feel like coming back now, you would think, wow, oh, but it was such a long break, the holiday plus the confinement. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. You have like kind of rested, but it's like healthy bodies, positive mindset. Yeah. And all this to say, it was been really nice for, for two weeks to teach. Like yeah. the energy in the studio, the atmosphere has been uh, fantastic. Yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah, That's, very pleasurable. Yeah, we had a really, we re- had a really nice start as well at NDT. Like, um, I really enjoyed starting back the season. Uh, also, we have a new director now and we've been doing a lot of workshops. It's been really great. Um, and now that you mentioned the Corona lockdown, um, I was wondering how did that, you know, affect you? How, how did that change your views on maybe teaching? Or Because you're a very experienced teacher. You've taught a lot in a lot of places. And... I was wondering, you know, teaching on Zoom for a long time or like maybe not, you know, going to the places you were usually going mm-hmm. and having maybe a very fixed schedule. How do you keep your uh, routine going a little bit or how do you, you know, prevent going insane in your home? Yeah, yeah. Well, so there's I feel like there's almost two questions. The, 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 the second part of the question about staying insane, mm-hmm. I was lucky that I think a lot of, of my uh, of my friends and sort of call. I mean, we're not colleagues like we work in the same place, mm-hmm. but let's say people I know that do the same thing as guest teaching. Yes, I think some of us were more lucky than others. And I was lucky that a lot of my work was still um, was still happening through Zoom. Yeah, and actually, yeah. I, sh- I should tell them uh, like the, who they are. Like mainly with uh, with Iseka Amsterdam, mm-hmm. who's directed by Emil Greco, and um, so we, we just kept on 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 uh, on on. I kept on giving the classes yeah. through Zoom, so I didn't really have a. For me, the lockdown wasn't like oh, I'm going to learn a language or mm-hmm. do. Um, the 10 days fasting, I just, I just kept on working every day. Yeah. Of course, not a super high pace, but I didn't. It wasn't, there wasn't a big cut of the work you had been doing no. before and a complete. No, different... no. I, if anything, it was uh, almost more demanding in the sense that it wasn't practical at home. So I had to like, yes. in the beginning, find spaces to do it, rent a studio, yeah. and then eventually uh, found a place, uh, Two Days Art, which is a festival mm-hmm. here in Den Haag. They have a working space and they were super kind to let me work and teach in their space. Um, until I felt like people were starting to use this space back then, I had to find another space. So actually, mm-hmm. it was there was even uh, some level of maintenance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean... It's still just one class a day, and let's be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. But there's this thing of like waking up every day with this obligation and this of thing. Course. And, and um, so th- that's one thing. The other thing is, did it make me realize something specific about my teaching? I think two things. It just, um, 
It just clarified for me the difference between teaching students and teaching professional uh, dancers. Mm -hmm. And I haven't actually experienced teaching students on Zoom. I'm only making the assumption that it's a whole different story. And mm -hmm. the reason why I point this out, even though I didn't do it so I can actually compare, is because I got a lot of questions from people that said, well, how do you teach a class? Because people that maybe I, I meet but don't know exactly what I do, I don't really know necessarily the field of dance, mm -hmm. they think teacher, they think students. Yes. People that actually yes. learn the, the dance. And they're like, well, how do you teach on do Zoom? How do you gi give feedback and everything? And I'm yes. like, actually, I'm teaching, teaching professionals. Yes. I'm not educating them in ballet. Mm -hmm. I'm actually more giving a class that they use for their own personal training, where yeah. there's a lot of responsibility for yourself yeah. involved. Could you elaborate a little bit on that for people that don't know what... You know, we, we have guest teachers coming in to teach us ballet class in a company. And in every company that's a little bit of, you know, different, if whether it's constantly guest teachers or they have set ballet ma masters mm -hmm. are teaching. Could you elaborate a little bit on what, what that embodies being a teacher or a guest teacher in, in companies for professional dancers? You were kind of saying it, but I'm yeah, yeah, curious yeah. about so, it. Yeah, um, it's, it's almost that. Yeah, so if we go deeper into that, I almost mm -hmm. would need you to formulate a, a specific question. Like how, how do you get the dancers ready for the day? Or what's your goal when you step into the class to teach? What do you want to give the dancers before they exactly. start their okay. day? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, what I, what I, can, say, what I can say more generally for, for someone uh, who doesn't know our, our field mm -hmm. uh, at all is that, uh, yes, and so to also... Um, bounce off what I was saying. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm teaching ballet, mm -hmm. but um, the, the you guys and the dancers I teach to, they're professional dancers. Mm -hmm. So already there's like a mindset. Like sometimes someone that I meet, they're like, oh, and so you're students. And I'm like, they're not students, they're dancers. Yes. Yeah. So, so and it's so that's already like the first thing. It's like I'm, I'm dealing with, with, with dancers and, and I, I don't perceive the dancers that I teach as, as students. It's not yeah. a teacher-student relationship. Yeah. It's, um, so if, if one really doesn't know dance, sometimes I'm like, I'm a bit like a coach, you know, like, yeah. like with um, football players getting in shape before the season and mm -hmm. they have a physical coach. And so I'm a dance-related physical coach. And yeah. I, it sounds a bit- I like this yeah, description. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds a bit weird because the thing is now we're also, dance is opening up to alternative, um, ways of uh, taking care of our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, for decades, there was uh, what were, were meant to be rehab techniques, such, mm -hmm. such as Pilates and this and that. Mm -hmm. But I think in the, the latest thing is like full body workout and yeah. high intensity, like almost like really sports-like kind yeah. of training is by becoming one of the alternative training for, for dancers, which mm -hmm. I don't think two decades ago when I was dancing was such a big thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but, um, but, but yeah, so maybe it sounds almost like a, not very artistic or almost like a dirty word to say, like I'm a physical coach and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, but it's dance. It's, a, it's about the artistry yeah. and the dance. But also a mental, there's also a mental uh, facet there, which I think that, you know, you you wake the dancers up in that yes, sense. exactly. So, and you try to put them in their bodies. Exactly. And for me, I think from my own experience, when, when you teach, you give a very nice balance, I find personally, 
between giving a construct of a, uh, an exercise that we all have to do and pointing out certain things that we have the freedom of making a choice. Yes. So now, so now we tap into something one of, because actually there's, so if you ask me, what, what are the things that I think about when I, when I teach a company, yes. first of all, I think of the context, like mm -hmm. what, what context? So, uh, because, um, you, you, most of the companies I teach to, there, there's this almost contradiction or, or thing that needs to be solved that needs requires a certain level of, of thinking mm -hmm. as a guest teacher in 2020 is that I am giving a ballet class. I am hired and paid and asked to be, to, to give a ballet class, but to most of the companies that I teach to, they don't do classical ballet on stage. Yes. And so it's kind of a, a, a given within our field. It's like, yeah, well, we do, we do ballet, but uh, there's a lot of discussion among dancers in the, in the companies like, oh, we should have more regularly contemporary training mm -hmm. and this and that. So, and and, and so, so what I was saying is that first I see the context because sometimes I teach in, in Tokyo in, in, mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a studio. So it's in a company. I was about to ask you. Also. It's in a studio. And then sometimes I give the morning advanced class and then people want more classical, but it's, one of the only contexts where I feel like I have to give a ballet class for people that prepare for doing classical ballet on stage. Yes. Most of the other contexts, it's companies that uh, do a more diverse kind of uh, work mm -hmm. from very contemporary to the extent that when you're working on those things, you could question during those periods, do we really need ballet or at mm -hmm. least we need more of the other stuff? Yeah. From things that clearly uh, in the spectrum of what exists between pure ballet and let's say contemporary that doesn't relate to ballet so much anymore yeah. within that spectrum, some of the work also requires to, to do a ballet class. Yeah. Cause that's the main thing. We're actually talking about companies that, uh, require their ballet technique still, or the dancers that are required to, uh, train their ballet technique to actually apply it in more contemporary choreography. Exactly. But that, so that, that's, that's one thing in the equation now it gets even more complex than this mm -hmm. because I think with time dancers have more and more awareness and, um, about what they need. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also maybe the, when I was, uh, in, in uh, Netherlands dance theater mm -hmm. in NDT, I feel like maybe the distance between the most contemporary things and the ballet technique mm -hmm. was maybe not as big as nowadays in certain companies like NDT, I yeah. feel like maybe maybe the the distance between the ballet technique and what actually is required in some of the work mm -hmm. is it's really far to again yeah. to the extent that some dancers will have some meetings with the directors be like oh, can we have a bit more contemporary classes in the mm -hmm. morning and this and that yeah but the, but the thing is where it gets complex as a guest teacher is that. Um, NDT still works in the way that the, most of the productions they present is like what we call a triple bill. So mm -hmm. it's going to be three different pieces from three different choreographers yeah. in the same evening. And then the work is redistributed between different company members. Yeah. And the thing is, one of the three pieces can call a, quite a bit for the, for the, for the ballet technique mm -hmm. when another one is much further away from it. Yeah. And so, uh, what you end up having is that and then a, a, you're teaching ballet to a group of dancers who within the group have different needs because of what they're working on during that period. Yeah. 
Totally. And so, so all of this is 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 in my mind, and and in my mind, there's so there's that different mm-hmm. a lot of different needs within the same group, mm-hmm. and even the ongoing question like, what do I pull out? What essential do I pull out of ballet mm-hmm. that the ballet take? I try to. Really, what I've tried to do for 10 years is mm-hmm. to understand the essence of ballet in terms of coordination, physicality. That is like, wh- why, why, when I have as a dancer in a, this kind of diverse, hybrid, contemporary ballet company, mm-hmm. um, what use, tr- truly, what use do I have to do a ballet class? What does it give me that's going to be actually useful? Yeah, that's a really good question. Apart from the fact that it's an ongoing tradition that we cannot question. Yeah. Why are we still relying on classical ballet as our base and warm-up? I feel like I could talk to Christoph for hours discussing the essence and benefits of classical ballet. Not only do I find Christoph a smart, considerate and charismatic teacher, he also manages to place himself in the dancer's shoes and meet our needs. Preparing the body on a Monday morning for a day full of rehearsals will have a slightly different approach than warming up the body on a Saturday before a performance. He's able to guide and motivate us through a ballet class, which can be quite a challenge at 9.15 in the morning, and creates an honest, warm environment. I'm excited to hear more about his perspective on teaching and to find out what drove him towards becoming an international guest teacher. Maybe one point uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking could be the reason why we still do ballet in, in these companies, even though sometimes there's a certain type of work mm-hmm. that calls for something else, is because by, for me, by making something simple and by giving a bit more allowance, understanding that people have certain needs that are quite far mm-hmm. from, from, from ballet sometimes, I feel like it brings more people together because they all know so we all know so well the technique. Yeah. We know how to give a ballet class, take a ballet class with a teacher who gives the exercise yeah. and modulate it and change it for our own needs. There's all of this that's embedded in the yeah. ballet company ballet class in a yeah. place like NDT nowadays. Yeah. So in a way, if you have pain with your hip, if you don't need that exercise, you can come to the ballet, you trust the teacher that's not going to stress you out with doing the things the way they they want or the way they showed. Mm-hmm. And then it's actually you having some room to do what you need still with the guidance of that other person. And I think in a contemporary class, it can be very good for a few dancers. But then mm-hmm. a lot of other dancers are like, well, that specific teacher with his specific technique, um, that doesn't really work for me. Yeah, and then another people, exactly for that. And then so another well. few people will like that contemporary teacher because ballet is, is one technique that has a lot of different options. But then when you go into contemporary, I feel like there are streams and big, large techniques, more like mm-hmm. modern dance techniques. Yeah, the but pillars. then, yeah, there are a few pillars, but then every time you're going to have a, a guest teacher who gives contemporary, it's going to be something very specific. Yeah. And then is also, there's not this embedded thing that ballet has now that I show an exercise, but you can do your own version. I feel like the contemporary teacher that gives their very specific technique 
I don't think actually they give that much more allowance. I mean, some techniques have that room embedded in, in, yeah. in the technique. Like if it's more uh, guided improvisation mm -hmm. with ideas. But I think there's a lot of... Uh, Then we're growing close to... To Gaga class, almost. exactly. A Gaga class is give gives that yeah. that that kind of room and allowance. Yeah, but okay. I'm talking more of like a modern, more more yeah, codified yeah. modern slash contemporary class. I think it's usually quite specific, actually. It's if very he specific. Comes in with his own ideas and his own approach to a style or a movement, and you'll do that for an hour. Yes, whereas and in ballet, you have the construct. And you can point out different things and everyone already knows the construct. So they don't need to, um, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about, wait, how do I move? No, no, no. You can find that freedom within the yes, simple Yes. And I think really, I really believe that the social contract between the teacher and the dancer mm -hmm. in ballet, the social contract is, it's now kind of okay that dancers modify a little bit according to their need. Yeah. And I don't know if there is the same social contract, unspoken agreement between the teacher and the dancers in, 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 in a contemporary class. I see. Yeah. I, I feel like if, if now I still now and then give, take a, take a ballet class, I will allow myself to ease out the here and modify a bit this if, if I have the need. But I feel like if I take a, the class of a contemporary teacher who I don't even know, I'm discovering the technique. I First of all, I won't allow myself. But like you said, I don't even have the tools. How do I modify this mm -hmm. without changing the nature of, of mm -hmm. the exercise? So yeah, um, I was wondering, because you've mentioned now that for a decade you've been teaching. Mm. Um, uh, what were you doing just before that? And what made you transition or decide you'd want to be, you know, a guest teacher actually around, around the world in different companies? Um, so what, what I was doing before that, I was uh, still dancing, mm -hmm. freelancing. Mm -hmm. So I was, uh, so I, I was working in companies like NDT. So I worked in NDT, but not just, and I worked in Netherlands Dance Theater, but I also worked in other companies. Mm -hmm. And my last company was Netherlands Dance Theater. Mm -hmm. As a freelancer. No, 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 no. Like before, no, no. so before this freelance phase, yes. I was I was dancing in 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 a comp like full time in in big yes. in good bigger structures, um, and then eventually I I stopped doing this to have a bit more freedom, mm -hmm. um, and I started to to do freelance projects still mm -hmm. as a dancer, and then eventually I realized that I just don't want to dance anymore. Yeah. It's quite early on. Yeah. And um, and, th and then I think it was more like a, just like um, opportunity. Yeah. I started to stage things for different choreographers to work as an assistant. Mm -hmm. How does that work for the people that um, don't know what, what it embodies to work on a creation or to work with a choreographer yeah. or, or set a piece that yeah. already exists somewhere? Ex exactly. Could so, you elaborate a little bit? Yeah, on that? so as um, choreographer's assistants, so there are very two different type of missions or that, mm -hmm. that uh, one is to assist the choreographer while he's creating something mm -hmm. um, based on the idea that you've worked with him before Or even if you haven't worked with him before, you come from a similar place that you have all the tools to understand his work, mm -hmm. maybe a little more than the dancers he's working with. Mm -hmm. So you're like an extra person carrying 
that knowledge uh, of of the work of the choreographer and so you can help so instead yeah. of the choreographer being alone creating with this and that and maybe totally. and it's not only that you're just two is the choreographer is thinking about a lot of things he's thinking about the physical really like i don't want to say steps so i said more the physical aspect of, of the work mm-hmm. but he's thinking of the bigger picture he's thinking of the dramaturgy he's thinking of the lights and the music and how that scene will connect to the other mm-hmm. and as an assistant you're very much like so maybe he's like making something and then he's like thinking like he needs to sit and think for five minutes where mm-hmm. is this heading and what he's going to do for the next hour while this is happening I can be working with the dancers just to be a bit more specific or, or guide them or help them to understand very um, kind of down to earth yes, uh, yes. physical aspects or, or technical aspects of, totally. of, of, yeah. of the work. I think that's, I think that's very clear. So that, that's like that's assisting him in creation. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is to uh, stage existing work. Yeah. So they will make a piece in one company another company buys the piece mm-hmm. and in music uh, if you do the if an orchestra decides to do the the piece of a composer they get a score they study the score and maybe a, they work with a conductor that has a very his own specific vision of how to interpret the score but uh, we don't have that in dance yeah like i don't know if you've ever thought about it but this is why we choreographers assistant and stagers have have work yeah is because it's it's not like a dance company will get and will work on the score for a month yeah. and then go on stage. Um, so transmission of information yeah. is still through from mouth to ear mm-hmm. in a way. And to add on on that, people that are listening right now they they could think, oh, but you know nowadays, well, you know, like you can film, you can film those steps and send it to whoever buys this choreography. In in very simple terms, what. How, like how could you now elaborate on that why that is actually not possible or why that is not rich yes to do that first of all uh if that would be possible yeah. it's not just now i think we've had vhs for quite yeah. a long time so it's like it's, it's, it's what you say is so true that it's it, this statement has actually been valid for, for 30 years yeah like why is it that you can't just send a, 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 a video, video and, and as like a kind of score um I don't even know if I have a smart answer. I think uh, I'm, 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 so I'm answering while thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just lacking way too much information, valid, uh, essential information. I think also if you compare a score mm-hmm. to a video, a video, the comparison would be like, sending a recording of one orchestra and people and musicians having to break down yes. the, the score or all the information that is in the score yes. through a recording. That, that would be the equal comparison. Yes. And so that comes to say, a video is a, it's a capture, it's just capturing yeah. the, the, the moment visually uh, of, of something being performed one day. Yeah. It is not, uh, it is not a, a written down language mm-hmm. that was design, designed through years, mm-hmm. like the one on scores with music, yes. with the purpose of being of many layers of the music being understood. It, it was 
it's just yeah you just capture a moment but yeah. but but it is not a tool that was designed for transmission and is lacking way too much information yeah and um and to and add, about physicality for mm -hmm. example yes because to add on on that what, what you just said uh about physicality you know with modern and then contemporary dance i feel like um more than with with ballet uh, if i can say that we start focusing on the physical sensations of a dancer while he's dancing or performing we started to reflect more on not how the movement looks how it would look on a video but how it feels and where does the movement come from to say it in very simple terms and that's then something that of course you or other people at stage work that that's your job you often have done the piece i can imagine or you were uh, somehow associated with it and you can transmit that information of the dancers mindset or where the movement can be generated from Absolutely. and not just the outside um picture how it looks only visual absolutely and that brings way more depth to a creation a absolutely. or, a, or a, a choreography but one could think of um some some people experimenting in uh, how how to score how to make a, a dense score yes and there the, there is uh, i mean even nijinsky like a century mm -hmm. ago was developing a technique to write out write down dance and then there's been more but so it's it's lacking this and it's yeah it's just lacking too too much information uh, it's temp it's very tempting to 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 say uh yeah there's just a certain amount of things that just can't be ex can't be uh taught without the person in mm -hmm. the studio on the other hand one could also be a bit more avant-garde or progresses in their mind is like mm -hmm. what is a score and what is a result or William Forsyth, which, which is a choreographer that I mm -hmm. highly respect, but like a while ago, I think he did so. Maybe I'm wrong, and this is, needs to be double checked on, on Google if there's any trace of this. But mm -hmm. there was a choreographer in France, Daniel Larieux. Mm -hmm. And what I remember the story goes that William Forsyth did a piece for his company, but he made it as theoretical as possible so he kind of wrote a score for the piece he was making mm -hmm. and by, at the time it was faxed it wasn't even like by email he faxed faxed his piece mm -hmm. which was just information math theory to i mean written information yeah. to daniel larieux this french choreographer and from that daniel larieux made a piece uh -huh. and so basically there were two very different pieces but made on the same score mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I think that's pretty cool, questioning the idea of the score in dance. But then what yeah. does it mean? Maybe maybe a score it's a blueprint. in dance is, is a blueprint, of, but, but of, of something that... So maybe it's just... Maybe it could be a very cool thing to think that a dance piece can have a score, to, but then to accept that the outcome and how it's going to look on the outside can be very different. But, but, I, but I like this kind of initiative also to also break the romanticism it's like it all goes through the movement it all goes through how we feel inside it's like that's beautiful mm -hmm. and i think if we think about too many other things and don't remember that it's something that we feel from inside mm -hmm. um it, it's good to be reminded of that yeah that, like the, the but i also concept. like to to think that a dance can be as theoretical and intellectual as other fields it's yeah. almost feel like we're by 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 limiting dance to something that can only be transmitted when we can explain when we feel inside, is also 
I don't know. It's 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 um it's also only one view. And I think that's so beautiful about this art form is that there are so many different I mean yes. the fact that it's hard to transmit or that you know a performance or a, a movement that is being shared is such a momentum, you know, it can't really be replicated. You can never really do the same thing as a dancer twice, like exactly the same thing. Yes. Like those are things that make it, you know, beautiful and, and, so. and rare as well. The fact that there is no true score for choreography or dance makes it for me one of the more exciting art forms. And even when there are clear rules or fixed choreography, the life interpretation and nuances of a performer can bring a significant difference to a part. I would like to dive deeper into the topic of choreography with Christoph, since he's seen and worked with plenty of creators out there. Do you exhaust one idea in different or similar ways, or do you push your own limits and start tabula rasa each time you commence a new creation or project? How do you find the balance between creative boldness and earning a living with a more set formula of creating? I'm curious to hear Christoph's thoughts on this before we wrap up. I I have a question for you. I mean, it's actually not my own question. I can't take credit for it, unfortunately. Um, but uh, Michaela, one of the dancers in the company, she was wondering, I was like, if you have one question for Christoph, like, what would it be? She's like, yeah, you know, you've seen so many choreographies and you've worked with a lot of choreographers. Um, what is your view on choreographers, you know, nowadays that um, found some kind of construct for their um, pieces and that are producing a lot of them at this moment or creating a lot of pieces for different companies um, within a very distinctive style, actually? Or um, or frame. Yes. Um, yes. Not, yeah. That, that's kind of my. You, yeah. What, what is your yeah, view? Yeah. On, I, your I, view on this? I understand the question because mm -hmm. I have had the same feeling and question myself, but almost, almost not to, to like you could phrase it like it, it almost feels uh, that they kind of almost doing almost the same piece so over and over again, kind yes. of like if one would yes. put it in a extreme kind of way. Yes. And I'm not saying that as a negative thing. I'm saying no. it more like as an observation. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually, what, is, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And but I, I think the, f the first thing before agreeing with that and, mm -hmm. and, and, and trying to, un to understand what, what could be the reason and how mm -hmm. I feel about it. I wonder if it's also a question of perspective. Like, so if we compare this era and what we observe mm -hmm. to an era in the past mm -hmm. where we, we saw um, the great choreographers that are now remembered and still and still alive and active, but they're like, a, you know, like William Forsyth, well, Pinabash actually isn't, but mm -hmm. like Pinabash, Mats Ek, yeah. Yeri Kilian, uh, we can look back at their at their at their at their work and see a lot of different works and different eras, but it's because they've been doing this for decades, mm -hmm. and we can see so many different pieces with so, so much strength and maybe t going into different topics. But um, maybe at the time where they had their company and they were doing two creations a year, maybe maybe there was also a feeling like they were yes. kind of. Um, 
not doing the same piece again and again, but there was similarity between from one piece to the other mm -hmm. until with years and like maybe trying just a few different things each work, then progressively over five years and then over 10 years and then over 20 years, mm -hmm. you see something that develops and then you can look back at it, pick a few masterpieces from different eras and see like, how they managed to renew themselves or, de or develop. And now we see the current choreographers in, in a time where we, we don't have the distance to, to maybe observe how they have developed yes. or how they will develop because we don't know yet. Totally. Um, but um, uh, another thing is, uh, I think, those those uh, those uh, well before before that I think generally speaking as an artist I think it's for me the idea that one artist choose on the same topic and ideas mm -hmm. to really get the juice out of it or maybe with like this kind of obsessive like that's what I'm interested in yeah and I'm just gonna dig and dig and scratch mm -hmm. and see where it takes me I think is a quite natural yeah it's, proce uh, uh, process too yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, even with visual artists, so like they have a thing, you know. Yeah. So, and 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 so uh, an, another element, maybe to fin to finish with this, is is that the the choreographers that I was referring to, at the time, most of their work was done with their group in their company. Yeah. And they were a huge group, and they had it was also a golden era where there was a lot of money. There was like big theaters, For a culture. lot of. Uh, a lot of money to be able to uh, to sometimes take risks and 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 do and and, and uh, experiment and um, but yes they they were working with with an ensemble that was like forty dancers yeah. or like 35, 40 dancers continuously yeah and I believe that they also had a pressure like if they were successful doing things a certain way that sometimes within that context where one could feel like they had more room to experiment. Even them, they probably had a pressure that uh, when they did something really different, maybe the press or the audience was like, ah, what are you yeah. doing? But they had their own group and they, I think they had more time. When they wanted to try something different, they had also a group of dancers that already knew them and knew their work. There was like a trust relationship yeah. established. So you, you, you could go further and deeper into things, giving birth to maybe more novelty within the frame of what their work was. Yes. And, and I think now those choreographers uh, nowadays that uh, we, very we feel like we see a lot of those different pieces they made and they're all very recognizable. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think they some of them have a, maybe a company, but it's a much smaller company. It's usually a project-based company. Mm -hmm. It's probably a constant struggle to find the financing for this company to even exist. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, they do a lot of the work they do is uh, they do in they're they're contracted by a company in Germany, a company in the Netherlands, a company in France to come for two, three weeks, make something, move mm -hmm. on to the next company, move on to the next company. And this is how they're known. Yeah. They're known because they're kind of everywhere in all those companies. Uh -huh. Everybody's fighting to have a piece from that choreographer, a piece from that choreographer. Yeah. At the time, you could fight as much as you want. William Forsythe was basically only creating for Ballet Frankfurt, occasionally for NDT, occasionally for Paris Opera. Yeah. Same with Yuri Kilian. 
Pina Bausch, I don't think, I don't know if she ever created outside of the yeah. Tanztheater of Wuppertal. Yeah. So, it's and two I think, different constructs. Two yes, different, and I think um, these constructs has a lot of effect on yeah. how daring and how much can you challenge what you usually do nowadays as a choreographer if you have three weeks to make a creation with a group of dancers that you don't know and with a company that asks you to make a piece because they have a preconceived idea of the kind of work you make yeah. and they well, that's what they want. They've seen all those works from you. They like that and they hire you yeah. not to take risk and do something really different than what you usually do. They actually kind of pretty much want a little bit of what they think you're going to do. Yeah. So, so there's something a bit... It's a bit Doesn't paradoxical in a yeah. way to being an artist and, and being desired, but at the same time, you yeah, know. but you're des you're desired for what you're known to do, and so when you're hired by those companies for to mm. make a creation for three weeks, you kind of probably have the pressure, if not outspoken, but they're like yeah unspoken idea that you have to almost deliver what they're paying for if i can frame yeah, it that yeah. way now those choreographers because like i said they do have companies that are smaller mm -hmm. a bit probably more struggle financially to, yeah. to exist like they, they have dancers that that follow them that actually yes dance and so they, they do what those other choreographers from the past with that that we compare to they also do they have room for being more creative go more into depth renew themselves they have a place for that yeah. but what i'm pointing out is the place for them to do this is uh, very different yeah. than the place uh those maybe choreographers from a different times of 20 years back had yeah 20 years back that space was like 90 of, of of their time and creation time and research time was with their group which was approximately 40 dancers yeah. and now The choreographer we compare them to nowadays, they have maybe two months with the group with like five to ten dancers every, every year, every second. It's it's they just have less room for this. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's a totally so that's frame. something I take I take in consideration when, when I compare. Yeah. Though because of the first point that I was making, that we lack the distance to see how they truly develop, mm -hmm. I do feel that some choreographers that I can think of uh, that nowadays do one piece after the other, this and mm -hmm. that, I do see things developing in their work. Yeah. Like if, let's say, in 10 or 20 years from now, if we would we zoom can out look back, them, Exactly. We you, can see different see eras. Yeah. Going back to the um, uh, transition you made from a company dancer to a freelance dancer, to add on to this, um, Because you mentioned that it's going to be a bit of a recurring theme in the podcast, you know, people that make that transition. Um, was there something that you were afraid of? Was there something that really was difficult when you made that transition? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it because I feel like a lot of people often are scared for the financial um, risks when you leave your like stable job as a dancer in a company and you start freelancing. And I was wondering if Uh, from your personal experience, if that was something that you were worried about, like, um, you know, I think I was, I, uh, it's, or... I wasn't, I don't know if I was worried about it, <clears throat> but um, it was definitely something that was in mind, yeah. that I had in mind when, yeah. but um, it, there wasn't too much stress, but 
I felt like still uh, available for a lot of different type of works, yeah. interested in very different type of yeah. works. Uh, that I also built a network wor working, being a professional in dancer in those companies for many years. Mm -hmm. And so there was also a lot of open doors. So, and, and, and so it was almost that feeling that uh, you didn't need to have your, your year fully planned that things, things just, just things uh, happened. Things happened. Yeah. And um, so I think the transition itself, I think if, if, if the instability has generated uh, moments of fear and also like a psycho-emotional kind of tiredness, you know, yeah, yeah. like on, on the long run, uh, it happened now and then within the last 15 years, but not necessarily yeah. when I transited. When you turn, yeah, yeah. I think when I transited, I was young, I was... On fire. Yeah, no, <laughs> but I, I, I just feel like the range of possibilities. I could still dance. I was starting to teach. I was staging stuff. Now I don't want to dance anymore. I'm not really staging. I like I just, It's almost like um, back, back then, um, yeah, I, I just didn't feel so, 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 so much... Uh, yeah. I mean, that's amazing sure. to hear. Like, I, I, I love to hear that because I feel like a lot of people worry about that and I'm not, I'm not saying it's, you know, easy for everyone, but um, I mean, I love to hear that you, of course, there are moments that you en encounter that it is maybe a bit harder, you know, financially or yeah, yeah. Or I mean, you find it hard. Like when is my next job coming? Like when uh, within I, those know? 15 years, there yes. have been scary moments, but, but not when I transited. Yeah. Okay, but that's that, that's very interesting to hear. Um, um, yeah, I'm curious about that as well because I feel like a lot of people are scared for the transition because they're coming yeah, from something so, that's yeah, stable. Yeah, so I, I would say especially people with that you have around you, like so. Yeah. And NDT uh, members, I would say. Yeah. Don't worry. Keep your keep your eyes open. Yeah. Uh, you know, of but um, I, I wouldn't make too too. I mean. And then again, now we're talking. We're talking about uh, less funding. We're talking about the mm -hmm. Corona crisis. So maybe actually there are good reasons to worry. Maybe mm -hmm. don't quit right now. <laughs> I mean, Keep right. your job for a few until they have a vaccine. <laughs> Definitely, right now I'd say. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I can speak for myself. I'm I'm very fortunate to be you know employed and having a stable job right now. Like I'm, I, and I, I realize that very fortunate. Yeah, and I think to to go to do, to go back to this thing and this comparison in my position particularly, mm -hmm. the difference I'm putting out between people that are employed full time mm -hmm. and people that are freelancing, mm -hmm. in my personal life and perspective, I don't find anything particularly unjust. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's more complex than this. I think one could scratch into it and point things out. I think I've been lucky enough within those differences that one could observe i've been lucky enough to feel like yeah i th think things are good Amazing. i've been uh, treated well by a lot of my the, my partners yeah. let's say yeah. and so so so, so yeah. yeah it's well, all right mm -hmm. no i was i know but i, I was going to say um there is also something interesting on the psychology of um not being protected like this, this there's there's something about 
the stability, the instability, if it's too much on the edge all the time, can wear you out. I think it can even like, and and I'm thinking not even in our field, but 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 in any field, yeah, like a, I don't know, a single mom with two kids that has a, a a job with like minimum wage and is like, I think there are people that have like have it hard, yeah, kind of continuously, and I think it can really wear wear you out. And so the, the instability or financial difficulties. Okay, can wear, wear you out. But if you're experiencing it like us within a field that you also trust your abilities mm -hmm. and you trust that you're skilled at what you do, and then you just know how to stay open and grab the opportunities, create the opportunities, then it feels like things are going well. You have this underlying current of trust. And then mm -hmm. the actual reality that even though while you're surfing that underlying current of trust, once mm -hmm. in a while you're like, oh, my calendar is kind of open. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know what I do in six months. And so, but there's that thing that um, keeps you on your toes. Yeah. yeah. And so there, it's, 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 it, for me, what, what I like about it, it keeps me alive in, in a very specific way. Yeah. Which, which I like. That's, that's beautiful. Um, to almost end on that note because yeah. you also answered my last question a little bit um, to I was going to ask you to if you had some advice for people that are you know in that position right now but you talked about the trust actually trusting your own abilities in the way you answered a little bit already what I had in mind yes um, yes to ask you that question but it's always tricky um, because It's, it's always tricky between being overly optimistic mm -hmm. and like this, like versus being uh, optimistic uh, be, between realistic to, yeah. you know, for the optimist, the realistic, the realistic guy is pessimist. You yes. Know? <laughs> yes. I can speak uh, but the, so, so I don't want to give too many like esoteric guru advice. Well, if you believe in no, yourself and no. serve the trust, all's going to happen to <laughs> you. But, but, um, yeah, but I think it's also It's, it's better to have a certain level of trust and yeah. spend your energy into looking for opportunities and creating them yeah. than to be fearful and spend energy being being stressed because that energy is not going in the right place. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I will second that. I, I think energy is supposed to be used efficiently and, yeah, yeah. you know, stress can be really exhausting. Um, yeah, or anything, in, if, if not for advice in general for people, but is there something you'd want to say to the younger version of you? Huh. But from what, what, what uh, period? From, for when I was in the... Uh, oh, uh, any period, if you, like when you made the transition into freelancing from the last 10 years teaching, or when you were still dancing in a company, if, if there was something that you say like, ah, I wish someone had told me that, or I wish I'd knew. Yeah, I, um, so uh, I, I don't know. It, it sounds like I haven't learned anything since. Oh my God, no, no, no. No, but no, no, no. But I, I'm, I'm thinking like, I don't know if I have one clear piece of insight yeah, yeah, yeah. that I didn't have then that I would pass on to, to, to me. But I think... Um, It's also a very vague question. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, but no, no, but I, th I think for me, may maybe to go back to wh why we know each other and me, mm -hmm. me, me teaching in the company with the teaching and there's different elements. I was talking about simplicity and this mm -hmm. and that, and also progressive enough for the body. 
there's also the element of joy. Yeah. I, um, I, I like, I try, I try to bring the element of joy in the class, especially mm-hmm. more, 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 more in center, but I think there's no room for it at the bar because everybody's still sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just not about that. But um, I think I think it's good while we're trying to do some great creative stuff, uh, touch the hot topic. Art can be political and it's great. Mm-hmm. But I f- wonder, for me, it really helped to to sometimes reconnect to the joy I had. Why why I started dancing? Yeah. And I think it was a very raw quite distant from all the preoccupation that I had then as, as a, as a artist that had a career mm-hmm. or, and, uh, like just the, for me, it was really just the joy of dance. You know, you go to school and then in the evening you go and you dance. It's just that, that raw joy of being physical, but not in any kind of way, being physical through the act of, 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 of dancing. Yeah. So being physical with everything that's specific about the dancing. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, and, and so the advice would be like, have an occasional checkpoint to how much joy you take. And if you feel like you're not, it's become about a lot of other things, try to find a moment in your day that you still reconnect to that joy and that's what i try to bring to you guys as a teacher like let's be joyful let's make this joyful and if you can't find it then maybe that means you should do something else because i eventually needed to stop dancing because i didn't feel that joy anymore so but i think that and it shouldn't be like a light-headed oblivious to serious issues kind of way of like it's just about me and the joy i take i think it's great that sometimes we work really hard and in a serious manner, because we want to do um, a work that has a political aspect to it, mm-hmm. and um, but but um, but I think the, the the joy is like like the antidote to hard demanding. It also is, yeah, yeah. Uh, to compensate in a way with the very like rough schedules or yeah, yeah, know, it's, physical hard. it's hard, it's hard, it's hard because it started. Through. It's like people people say, oh. Your dance, I always, I, I, you get that a lot, like um, the glamour side of being a dancer. No, like but the, no, more like oh, you, you made, you, you made a profession out of your passion. Your passion, yeah. And and so that that's great, but we mm-hmm. know that being a professional sometimes can be really heavy. Yeah. And so my question about joy, you could use maybe replace the word with passion, is like have a checkpoint how much joy it brings you once in a while, yeah. and not just a checkpoint. The first thing is not like, well, I don't feel joy anymore, so I should stop. But more like, hey, just remember Why to and indulge this. in that for two minutes in that whatever thing that I should I should make a I should make a caption that you're dancing right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, I was doing some kind of dance <laughs> gestures, <laughs> moving at the table, connecting to joy. I should have a voice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for for doing this, for coming and for talking. Thanks for having me. me. I hope uh, my answers were not too, too many digressions around the, I think, I think they were really awesome. And I think they gave a lot of things to think about. And I love sitting down with you and having this, you know, talks in, in depth because we don't take the time for that. A lot of the time I feel it's, it's really, um, meaningful to me to have a straight on conversation about certain topics that we all just kind of 
follow on but yeah. we don't talk about them in but, uh, so thanks. thank you very much but you're, you're welcome I mean I, I, it's all of them there are also like so many more things to say I'm sure like, yes. people are hearing that like what is he talking about but, uh, no, but... <laughs> or there's more things to object but yeah yeah But uh, thanks Thank for having you. me and good luck with uh, with the new season and Thank a you. very exciting new new start yeah. with uh, also with your new director. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it and I look forward to seeing you soon in class again. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Face to Face. If you enjoy the show, feel free to suggest it to others that share your interest in the arts and the professional world of dance and dance theater. You can subscribe to Face to Face on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other streaming services. And don't be afraid to let me know what you think, or come up with suggestions or questions. Post them through the Anchor link, or just reach out to me on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to sharing the following episode with you next week.